Welcome friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire, to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life. And we both know that that life starts inside of you. If you want to say goodbye to anxiety, frustration, and negative self-talk, and say hello to peace, mindfulness, gratitude, and living your best life, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not social conditioning, and not your past. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready. It's time to feel incredible from the inside out. Hey there. Thanks so much for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation today, the absolute best way that you can always support, which would mean the world to me, is by sharing it on social media or with the people that you love. And as always, you can support by popping over to iTunes and leaving a review. Leaving a review ensures that the algorithm pushes the podcast forward so that other people around the world get notified and can get access to this powerful content as well. So thank you so much in advance. Also make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge this week to upgrade your well-being. All right, at our very core, I deeply believe that all humans desire the very same thing, to live a happy, healthy life. Unfortunately, staying motivated towards our health goals often leave so many of us wondering, why am I back at square one? And I believe that no one understands this frustration better than today's guest, Isosa Adosama, an expert on understanding why your past still influences your future, how to set powerful goals, and how to achieve the goals you set. Asosa, also known as Raw Girl of therawgirl.com, is a certified nutrition specialist, behavioral coach, host of the Staying Ageless podcast, founder of Staying Ageless University, and published author. Isosa specializes in plant-based nutrition and transitioning, women's hormonal balance, weight loss, healing acne and skin conditions, nutrition and lifestyle interventions to increase longevity, and candida and parasite cleansing. Outside her passion for health, Asosa is an award-winning, globe-trotting producer and actress who has been featured in Glamour, Vogue, The New York Times, Elle, Black Enterprise, and more. Today, we're going to sit down to discuss why often our choices become automatic and unconscious when we don't have an understanding of our past, how to optimize our health to stay ageless, which begins with upgrading our habits and why believing in our healing is the most important part of the healing process. I'm so excited for you to join this conversation. We're going to dive in now. Hi, Sosa. Welcome to the show. It's so wonderful to reconnect with you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I'm excited to have you today. I've been constantly inspired by your work um, that you've been doing and specifically since we last talked, I've been diving into all of it um, and really empowered by the impact that you're creating for women around the world. 
um, through raw living and your raw girl coaching. So I wanted to start specifically with your powerful story. There's so many parallels that we were talking about when we jumped on a call um, and how you really overcame your own health challenges and then launched your raw girl coaching programs. Yeah. So it's kind of a long story. So I'll try to give you the abridged, but um, basically I, um, I've been vegan since the age of 13 and was doing really well on it. I'm actually really glad that I did. Cause I think I would have some health issues that plague my clients if I didn't. And I basically around college started to get sick a lot. Um, was kind of eating like a junk food, vegan diet. And, um, I went and visited my cousin who was in LA and she was a raw foodist at the time. And she was friends with this really famous actress who I really respected. And they both were raw foodists. And I was like, Ooh, this is cool. And she was like, you should eat more salads and do all this stuff. So it was kind of like a glimpse into that. And then post-college, I kind of forgot about that, was still doing the vegan thing, was obsessed with sugar. I was at the vegan bakery all the time to the point where they thought I lived there mm. or worked there. They were like, excuse me, ma'am, can you show me where things are? And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm here to get my vegan carrot cake. It was really interesting. Um, so I was always eating, I was just kind of eating this junk food, lots of sugar, but quote unquote vegan diet. I was really tired. I was having a lot of skin issues, which is not helpful when you're someone who's working in front of the camera. Mm. And so I was trying to figure out what to do about my skin. And then I was also fatigued all the time. And I remembered, I just kind of felt this one day I went into my bathroom and just threw out all the stuff. I had like proactive and all these crazy lotions and potions and all the stuff. And I just kind of had like a movie moment where you just go AWOL and get a trash bag and then like <laughs> throw everything in there. <laughs> That's what I did. I was like, something is telling me that basically I need to deal with the inside. And once I deal with the inside of what's going on inside my body, the outside is going to look the way that I want it to look. Mm. And so I signed up for a raw food class at this place called Raw Soul in Harlem with this beautiful couple named Lillian and Eddie Butler. And I learned how to prepare some raw meals. And they were like, you need to eat more vegetables and you need to eat more nutrient dense foods like seaweeds and different things like that. And within two months or so going raw, my skin is as was as it is today, but there was deeper health problems that I didn't really realize till I became a practitioner. <laughs> yes. So basically I solved that first problem. Um, and I've also had just crazy healing journeys, child. I could tell you those all day, but I'll tell you the, the basic ones. But yeah, I solved the skin issue very quickly. And then over the years, I basically, I left New York City at that time, moved to Virginia, started a blog called Raw Girl in a Toxic World. And that was just mo mainly to save me from having really long conversations in the grocery store with people about all the things I was buying because people were always so curious. Um, and so once I started the blog and was writing and was out, outside around my entertainment career as a producer and actress, I was doing that as a hobby. People started writing in with letters um, about their health problems and asking if I could help them. And I was really like, oh my goodness, you should really go see a licensed health professional, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just got tired. I was doing that for maybe five years around my entertainment career. And I got really tired of turning people away and I really wanted to help people. But I also knew that as much as I, I nerded out for years and years on all kinds of supplementation and foods and, you know, the nutritional benefits of this and that, but I wanted to understand the science behind the body. And I wanted to be able to use nutrition, lifestyle supplementation to direct directly affect specific conditions. And so I looked up a certified nutrition specialist and I realized that that was exactly what I wanted to do. And then I went back and got my master's 
Um, so did that for another five years around my entertainment career. And then, um, and then worked at a wellness clinic um, where I saw 300 plus patients. It was like trial by fire, but it was kind of like interesting because I think all of the 10 years of nerding out and then school, mm-hmm. it was like all of the people who would see me would get better. And I, and I, I think it was also just like, I had this like backup encyclopedia in my brain of all this stuff <laughs> and then it would become mm-hmm. useful all of a sudden. Like, oh yeah, I know this, I know that. So it was really cool. It was really interesting because I wasn't really planning to be a one-on-one nutritionist. I really was interested in delivering the information to people and inspiring them, but I didn't think that I necessarily was going to be doing a lot of clinical nutrition work, but I just ended up being very good at it. People kept losing weight. I had reversal of diabetes, hypertension, um, first cancer patient, his cancer was downgraded. It's just like on and on. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. After I left the wellness clinic, which was a really, really great experience that really taught me how to help people lose weight and also helped me understand that women in particular, like it's really important to understand what body types people have and, and use certain, I have basically found certain tools that I've used on myself that help me understand my clients better and help them reach their health goals, especially with weight loss, but with all kinds of things. And once I got that, I started a I started my class staying ageless 30 plus, and I had so many clients, I had to quit my job. So I, um, I quit my job, started raw girl coaching, and now it's kind of blossomed into, we have, um, certified nutrition specialists, me and another practitioner. We have a naturopathic doctor. We also have a dynamic change therapist. So we have, we approach health conditions from a completely holistic manner and people are coming and they're literally leaving not only with their health in check, but new mindset, sometimes better jobs, sometimes better partners. Mm -hmm. It's really, yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And I know we talked about this before, but you really shifted from just the nutrition coaching to the behavior coaching as well. And now seeing these massive sustainable transformations um, and people creating sustainable change because they're doing the work to let go of so many of the past issues that have impacted the behavior today. And so I would love to talk a little bit more about what you're seeing in terms of creating that permanent change. Um, Cause I personally believe it's, it's, it's almost impossible, right? We often sabotage when we have these subconscious rooted negative belief systems about ourselves that are impacting us. And until we uncover those, it, it's really challenging to take a program like you're offering that is so incredible and create that for a lifetime, right? So that we never go back into those old habits. And so, um, yeah, I'm curious what happened for you in terms of kind of creating that shift and then how you started bringing on these other practitioners and therapists to really help with this type of work. Well, it wasn't really a shift. It's always been there from the beginning. Mm. So I was at the wellness clinic. They actually gave me the title behavioral coach. And I was like, oh, okay. So (laughs) I guess I better go learn about this. (laughs) I went and started like, like really intensely learning about habit forming all this stuff. And and I just happened to be really good at getting people to do, do the, do whatever they needed to do, which is part of what a behavioral coach has to be able to do. A behavioral coach has to be able to coach someone in a way that's going to allow them to more than likely comply with the recommendations, you know? So because my clients were getting results and they were actually doing what I was telling them to, and then I was learning about the habit forming that was always integrated into how I worked from the beginning. And I think that's actually 
one of the one of the tenets of why um, we're able to get results in addition mm-hmm. to other things, it's really just the understanding of people's habits and how to help people integrate. If you just give someone a list and be like, Hey, I need you to do this food list. And you don't talk to them about their lifestyle. You don't talk to them about, do they have any past traumas? Do they have like, what is their relationship with food? Um, Even simple things like just understanding their schedule in the day and how they work. You know what I mean? How they work habit wise, what trips them up. Cause a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, I can, I can do something for a short while. And then I always fall off. And mm-hmm. that's why from the beginning, um, staying ages 30 plus my longevity class, it, there's a whole two weeks just on habit forming. And that's why we get such crazy results in that class too, because it's, it's not, some people need to be educated on how their brain works in order to, to make themselves do the good habits. A lot of us know what we should do, right. but we can't get ourselves to do it. So sometimes it's, you need a little bit of additional support from someone helping you understand, okay, this works better for your schedule or this, you know, have you thought about this? Cause we, we make our own excuses all the time. Absolutely. So then sometimes there's like people who really need like deeper work where it's like, Hey, um, you know, I have like this crazy relationship with food that started when I was a kid and now I'm on this yo-yo cycle where I can lose weight and gain weight and lose weight and gain weight. And I don't have a healthy relationship with food in general. So now I have to kind of undo that subconscious programming and then we can get to work. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have a dynamic change therapist, because I literally was like, oh my goodness, how do I affect my client's subconscious? Because I realized that some people have decided that they were going to be sick. Yep. Literally decided. And, you know, not everyone can be helped because some people also don't want to be well. And that's something that we've paid close attention to because some people can, some people get too over identified with their condition. So I usually try to have people not talk about their health condition as if it is their personality. You know what I mean? Like, oh, everyone they meet, they're like, oh, I have diabetes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have. You can talk about it as the diabetes, but don't claim it right now because we're we're working to get rid of it. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so important. It's so important because the identity is being created by the sickness. And when we identify with it, then I believe it imprints deeper into the subconscious. And then Then you don't want to let it go because Mm -hmm. then it's like, who am I if I don't have diabetes? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and who will I have to become, right? Like what is, what is the person that I will have to become and what can I no longer use this, um, the sickness to, and I hate the word excuse, but it's like, there's almost a limiting ability to feel happiness or joy or create the life we desire when we have that in the way. And often I've seen this in my own life. I've created subconscious sicknesses because I don't want to move forward with something because of fear. Right. I definitely recognize that in myself. No, it definitely happens. But identity, attacking identity or not even attacking, just addressing, addressing, looking at identity, how I identify myself is a very important part of habit forming. That's the core part. Most people focus on the actions and then they try to then get results. But we focus on the identity. And when you focus on the identity is exactly what you just said. Who do I have to be? So I want to lose 25 pounds. Great. Awesome. 
who do I have to become in order to lose that 25 pounds is a much more interesting question because mm-hmm. that's kind of like, okay, well, I need to drink water. I probably need to exercise. I probably need to. So it starts to tell you all of the actions from the identity. So it starts from that core and then it moves outwards. But if you just start with like, okay, I'm going to like join this boot camp and then I'm going to this and this and this, then we haven't affected the core of who you are. And you're not concerned about that. So I'm always very interested in my clients having a very clear vision of what they're trying to create as far as being a healthy, whole human being. It's like, okay, I want to have a lot of energy. I want to be able to do this workout wise or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever it is. And that way your vision is clear and your mind is set on that because too much in Western medicine, we're focused on the wrong things. So we're focused on pathogenesis and disease. So we're like, okay, you have this diabetes. And so now we're going to do everything to try and address this diabetes, but mostly we're just going to give you medication. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we haven't really even talked about your lifestyle, what you, you know, what you're eating, what you're doing, what you need. And we also haven't really painted a picture for you of what life could look like if you were healthy, right? Because people need to get excited about that stuff in order to want to do it. Absolutely. And I think there's often a imprint that happens in a doctor's office when you're in fear and they're telling you that there's no cure. And when you go on Google and then you look for, you know, you're doing your own research and the first thing that pops up is there is no cure. Then you reinforce that imprint and then there is no vision that's being held. And that's when, that's when that disconnect happens. And so it's almost about finding people who have thrived with certain medical conditions and witnessing what their life looks like from a different state of perspective. Or finding people who've healed it. That's what I do. Yeah. So so I'm the crazy person who everyone will be like, that's unhealable. That's not possible. And I'll be like, well, let's see. Like, let's just see. They, they say that endometriosis can be cured. My first endometriosis client doesn't have endometriosis symptoms anymore. So, okay. And they say that fibroids can't be, you know what I mean? Fibroids, they can have surgery. We have clients who are fibroids are shrinking. Yep. Shrinking so, and so, even expelling, right? Like I've heard that. It's kind of like what, so, I mean, I just feel like what is, what is truth to the medical community is so limited, but it also is very dangerous. Like you said, because we, our minds are so powerful. And so when you come, when people come to us, we just try to be the bridge for their healing in general. We're not going to put a cap on what can happen because that's how you limit someone. Mm -hmm. We are interested in, can we get this person from point A to point B? which might mean off their medications or, you know what I'm saying? Or without the diagnosis symptoms or whatever the issue is, but you can't even get to that. If all of a sudden your mind is so closed that you just think that there's no cure just because you don't have a medication for it. Absolutely. And it's almost the belief in the healing process that matters the most, because then we're directed to individuals like you and your practice that allow you then to heal. But if if you don't believe that there's opportunity to heal, then you just don't even, you would come across your website or your Instagram and just pass it, pass it by because your mind is blocking that opportunity. And I think that's the, that's, what's so powerful about the mind is the mind actually begins to search for solutions when the belief is, is present. Exactly. And then, you know, there's so many levels of healing. Like I'm Christian and I believe in supernatural healing because I've experienced it myself. And it's like crazy when you experience it. Cause you're like, that can't be true. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And then you're like, oh my God, that just happened. And then you're like, well, then that's a whole other realm, which literally just has to do with you and whatever God, I'm, I'm believe in Jesus Christ, but it's like you, God, and a miracle happens. And those things happen and medical community can't explain it either, but you have to be aware that there's, a, there's different layers to the idea of someone healing, right? So there's the book layer, there's the supernatural layer, there's the subconscious uh, layer as well, dealing with their mind and their thoughts and their traumas and the stuff that they're bringing to the table that's causing the illness in the first place. So all of these things need to be looked at. The thing that's so interesting is that Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, I feel are way more closer to actually looking at an entire picture of mm -hmm. like someone's emotions and then their imbalances, their, or, you know, the state of their organs, their body type, how they're relating to the environment. But when we go into a, a traditional Western medicine doctor, it's literally just tell me your symptoms. Here's a medication to address those symptoms. Yeah. It's so interesting. I would just recently um, went to a Chinese medicine doctor for high levels of prolactin, prolactinoma, mm. and then also um, endometriosis. And my Western medicine doctor was recommending all these medications and treatments. And he's like, but that's the, the again, I'm reminding you and you work in holistic health, but that's the band-aid. And so yeah. give me two to three months to see if we can use you know, Chinese medicine and acupuncture and uh, mm -hmm. mindfulness practice and some other things to kind of heal your body naturally. Because again, if you go on progesterone or you start taking these medications, then your your body is going to still be out of balance, but you're going yeah. to believe in your mind it's in balance because you have something mimicking it, but your body's not actually producing those hormones that it should be. So just a really interesting um, mindset shift around our body wants to come back into homeostasis. It wants to be in balance. It's it does, just, which is why we would, we shouldn't interfere. We should be very careful about when we interfere, which is why medical interventions, we thank God for them, right? Like, obviously I go to my Chinese medicine doctor almost every month, but don't take me there if I'm in a car accident. Take me mm -hmm. to the doctor, right? Mm -hmm. So thank God for doctors, but at the same time, we need to be aware when interventions are needed and how to wean people off of these medications. And also when we can, again, like you said, work with the body, because a lot of times one medical intervention leads to another medical intervention. I can't tell you how many people who have literally gotten entire diseases just from being on a certain mm -hmm. medication for 20 years. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, or, you know, one procedure, like you said, okay, now I go take these hormones. And so I'm sort of balanced for a moment, but then it causes another problem. Maybe my body starts making them, you know, naturally. And instead of supporting it to make it naturally, now I've just interfered with the process and kind of short-circuited it. So I, I think it's really important to be a way, I really hope that there's a future where there's more working with the amazing technology and the amazing minds that we have in medicine, but also working from a holistic perspective, because that way we're not just constantly throwing patients, throwing medicines and throwing interventions at patients that are not the right fit for that person. Because uh -huh. there hasn't just been enough investigation about about them. I mean, most people are not even spending more than 20 minutes sometimes with their doctors. Yeah. And most of the time we're not, we're not approaching it from a functional medicine side, which is when I went to um, function, went to school for functional medicine, it was, you write a timeline of your life and you really yeah. start to look at, well, wh when did you have trauma? 
when did you have these significant life events that might not even be what you would consider trauma, but these huge life events that have happened? And then when did you get sick and how do they relate to these different pieces yeah. of the big picture of your timeline? And when I started to do that, it was, it was so beautiful because it's, it's almost as if you're piecing a puzzle together. You're yeah. like, oh, well, if I were to do some EMDR and heal this part of my life, then that impacted this health condition that then created this firestorm of all these other things that were happening. That's really what a health professional should be. A health professional should be like an investigative journalist who's going through your life, who's just trying to work with you to kind of spy out where did this all happen? How do we, and then how do we deal with this in in the least amount, you know, the least invasive way. And to your point, like, because we spend like an hour and a half with our clients, like from jump in the initial consult, like, it's so funny to me every single time. I always just keep asking people, is there anything else that you you think I should know? Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that like, you know, so many of our clients have had so, so much trauma. I could tell you two clients where we get to the end of the consult and they're like, yeah, I was molested when I was six and they now have fibroids or yeah, I was raped at this age and now I have fibroids. And it's like, you don't, and they didn't think it was connected. And they were like, well, that wasn't connected to what your health, my health. And I'm like, yes, it is. I'm so glad you told me, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's so many things that happen and it's like literally in the area of of trauma. Now they have a growth, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Important to, we can't, we can't treat the emotions like they're completely separate. There's so many diseases and conditions that result in emotional imbalance. That needs to be something that is way more addressed, um, even with mental health. Uh, There's a lot of people that are completely imbalanced health-wise, but it's also affecting their emotions. Yeah, or there's a lot of people that deem themselves healthy, but internally are struggling. Yes. So, and often that becomes an addiction or obsession. I know that was my own life where people would say, you're so, you, you know, you're so healthy. You're so calm. And I'm like, you don't know what's going on inside. <laughs> like, right. Right. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in there. So, right. and, and what's crazy is you can be this healthy person, but if you have the stored trauma and you can manifest sickness, even if all your tests are coming back perfect, or okay. even if you look healthy from, you know, from the outside. Oh. Totally. totally. Because I mean, like literally just even just think about the impact of just stress alone. I mean, stress is such a, is such a major killer. And in most of my clients, a lot of them don't process stress. Well, I think it's, it's a problem for all of us, but we're, you know, I mean, the pandemic was super stressful for a lot of people, whatever, but it's just like, most of us are dealing with family stress, work stress, you know, boss stress, kids stress, all kinds of stuff. And so if you don't have a programmed habitual way of processing stress, well, sometimes, especially very empathic or very sensitive people, it's almost like the stress is going straight through them and into their body and then stuff happens and then they end up getting sick. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And I'm curious because I I remember reading one of your posts about resilience and how um, being healthy is really about uh, creating the resilience. And the true measure of health is how quickly you can bounce back when things happen, because we, we're we never going to know what tomorrow is going to bring. And so yeah. I'm curious for you, how you've cultivated that resilience and 
any mindset shifts or ways people can, can start to embody that more? Because I think when people are diagnosed with a health challenge, they almost feel more stressful and it feels more overwhelming. Yes. Yes, for sure. I mean, for my clients, I'm always encouraging people to literally create a bubble of healing, which means if you know that you read, you know, Instagram posts and your blood pressure goes up and you get, you know, go down this whole spiral, please don't go on there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, or designate a time, you know? Um, I had this one Chinese medicine doctor tell me that immunity um, is also about creating uh, an uh, external and spiritual boundaries. And I thought that was so cool because like, if we're constantly allowing ourselves to consume news, consume headlines, consume music, consume this, consume, consume, we're always consuming. I try really hard to spend more time creating than I do consuming because I know that I have to be careful about what I'm taking in spiritually in my, in my, like what I'm listening to all of that stuff. Cause it's going to affect how I move through the day. But for me personally, I'm very big on just like the, the way that I create resilience is by doing my habits. Like I know when I need, like if I'm having a very, very stressful time or if my schedule's really crazy, like it has been lately, what I have to do is like, I have to make sure that I either have my meditation in the morning or I have some exercise in the morning or I go for a walk or I phone a friend if I need to, what, whatever those things are, but it's the habitual daily things that I've gotten used to doing that keep that homeostasis. Most people are kind of at the mercy of life. So it's like, oh no, this just happened and they're running around, but they don't have these habits they do every single day. And when I learned from observing a bunch of men and women who are really fab- fabulous and like over 70 and living really living great, not on medications is that they have these habits and they just don't get tired of doing them. And they do them every single day. They're like, okay, this is my smoothie. This is my workout. This is my thing. And so that's part of why I teach people to do what they do is because I I know that it's worked for me. And then even if you fall off, because you will, sometimes something will happen and you'll fall off a bit. You get right back on it the next day. And you start to feel when you do it over and over again, when you're doing some sort of habit over and over again, you start to feel weird when you don't do it. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that this last month I have not been motivated, inspired, creative, and I committed to sticking to my habits. Like that was the one thing that I said, if I don't do this, then I know that my happiness and my well being will plummet even more. And so I'm just pushing through and I'm doing it and I'm <laughs> making up every day and sticking to it, even when I'm not inspired in those moments. And I think that that is what builds the battery of resilience so that when you are hit with something, you kind of have this backup battery of energy and resilience and vitality and health that propels you through that, that experience. And so I completely agree. Definitely. It's, it, I mean, think about it almost like putting money in the bank every time you do your habits. It's like, if, if I had no money in, in my bank account, then when something happens, I'm in negative, you know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. how people get sick. They don't store up the good daily habits every day, put more money in your account, put more money in your account. And then when something hits you, you have more <laughs> to deal with it. Basically you have, you have more resilience and you have more ability to handle it. Mm-hmm. I've been finding that with Instagram when I do go down that spiral, because mm-hmm. I've been in my habits of, of knowing what will pull me out of that. 
It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm just going to turn this off and go on my 10 minute walk around the block, do some breathing, come back inside, you know, mm-hmm. do something more inspiring. It, it, it almost preps you for those moments where you start to get pulled out and those unconscious ways that we are being affected by the world are impacting us. Um, and yeah, it just, it just bring, comes back to that remembrance of, okay, it might, it might not feel inspiring every single day to wake up and drink my lemon water, but we're going to do it today (laughs) because I know, I know what it's doing for my body. (laughs) So no, totally, totally. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we have to use rewards or the way the brain works is that it wants a reward. And usually Mm -hmm. when you do bad habits, um, there's immediate gratification, even though there's long-term negative consequences. So with good habits, sometimes you have to build in rewards for yourself. And I, I never let people use food, but because that will create a whole other problem, but, um, rewards sometimes are as simple as, um, sometimes our brain likes it. If we track things, cause then we get excited. I used to do at the wellness clinic, I used to give people stickers, you know, and mm-hmm. it's so funny cause it seems like a really silly thing to do, but you'd be so surprised. People are like, where's my sticker? Like, yeah, oh my God. or badge. Yeah. People love badges. <laughs> You know, it's kind of how like Peloton works. Like Peloton, the people of Peloton are genius. They're totally mm-hmm. working with the way the brain works. Like you get all those badges, you get excited about the badge. The badges aren't even real, child. They're in your head, but they make you feel good, right? Because mm-hmm. you feel like you've accomplished something. So sometimes you have to like kind of give yourself a pat on the back somehow yeah. in order to keep going. And that can be part of what keeps it going. Because usually, you know, obviously it would be really amazing to eat a donut, but then afterwards I'm going to feel horrible. And if I kept eating a donut every day for a while, I might get diabetes or some other health problem. Yeah. I love that. I always encourage my clients to think about a reward, even as a a positive act of self-care that maybe they wouldn't gift themselves with. So maybe it's a massage or maybe it is a manicure, a pedicure, going and doing something for themselves. Maybe it's, it's, it's investing in a sound bath or maybe a meditation workshop or something that improves their well-being, um, but still feels inspiring because I always question, and I love that you've taken out the reward of food because it's like, we do all these positive things for our well-being, And then we reward ourselves with junk food that makes us feel worse. So it's, it's this, it's this negative reinforcement of, you know, of that behavior and, and then creates that imprint again. No, totally. Most of us that, that starts as a kid, because usually, you know, if you do really well or something, sometimes people are like, okay, let's go for ice cream. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't mean to do this to our children, but we do (laughs) on accident. We're kind of like, oh, you did so great at school. Let's go get some cake. Right. Yeah. You don't realize that you're creating a link now between happiness. So it's, it's really interesting because you can create links between food and negatives, you know, situations and also positive. So you can have some people who just, you know, they eat all the time, especially when they're happy. Right. And then you have some people who use food, the opposite, almost like medication where they're like trying to make themselves feel better because they feel horrible. So then they go get that, you know, the typical sort of like a movie moment we've seen with the ice cream. Like I'm imagining mm-hmm. Bridget Jones diary right now, but you know, like <laughs> with a moment where like someone's with the ice cream and they're crying and they're just using the ice cream to like, try to like make themselves feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can create either of those types of links, but that really, honestly, the best is somewhere in the middle where you can actually be not at, be not at the mercy of addiction to food to change your emotions. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And, and being present to, to our emotional states and allowing ourselves to feel. I recently had a, a, a night of truffle flat fries and pizza and wine. And I, I knew what I was doing. And yet I, in the morning had to come back to, I forgive myself, compassion. And my skin was breaking out. I felt bloated. And I'm just like, why did, oh, I didn't allow myself to feel. That was a hard day. I didn't let myself have the experience of being with myself. And yeah. it, it's, it's that, it's, it's the courage to feel and be, and be with ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, having food that you enjoy. Like you said, there's, there's that balanced piece, but um, so much of it can be prevented by courageously stepping into the feeling. Yeah, that, and then also just actually planning healthy substitution. So mm -hmm. you mentioned the wine and the trouble fries and the pizza, and I'd be like, okay, great. You like those things. So let's see how we can make those things in a way that's not going to contribute to your problem. Yeah. And maybe some of those things aren't completely substitutable, but you'd be surprised. I had a client last week who was obsessed with tater tots and I found her some cauliflower tater tots. That's amazing. <laughs> I feel like cauliflower has just become the, the save all for everything. Oh, amazing. Cauliflower's I, like, what do you need? I gotcha. Like, <laughs> I mean, I still had the cauliflower pizza, but it was the dairy that really, really threw me off. So Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, there are some really, really incredible uh, substitutes. I'm curious in terms of because you talk a lot about staying ageless and I love that that saying. And so I'm curious what are kind of the core ways that you help individuals optimize um, their lifestyle choices or, and, and their habits for staying ageless and that intention? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, basically people who take that course are coming from all different places. Some people are coming and they're trying to just level up. Some people want to lose weight, but we've had literally People reverse hypertension, reverse diabetes, get off of three, four medications within the eight-week class, all kinds of stuff. So we don't limit you, people from joining if they're not well. Mm. Um, so if you're coming and you're not well, then first we have to deal with how do we get you well, right? Which means how did this happen in the first place? What diet lifestyle changes you need to change um, in order to improve your health and well-being in general. But in the course, what we focus on are, are things that I learned from people who I would consider longevity masters because they were 70 plus, not, not on meds, living their best lives. Um, and all of them basically had habits um, related to diet, detox and elimination and lifestyle. So they all ate a certain kind of diet that they followed that was very helpful for slowing the aging process because it probably had lots of antioxidants in it, whatever. Um, they all definitely ate and, and consumed water and fluids and stuff in a way where their elimination was on point. And they definitely all had lifestyle choices that they made that were consistent. So whether or not it was their little workout or... Um, there's one woman, um, the ageless woman in Florida, she like climbs the stairs and builds computers and does all this cool stuff. It's like, okay, that's really interesting. So it's really just helping people look, take, assess where they are right now, where they want to be, get clear clarity on the vision, and then help them really break down, okay, what are the habits that I have that are a hot mess? And which ones do I need to create that are going to lead me to my actual vision? And so that's what we do in the class. And we do it with support. And we also work with people one-on-one -on -one as well. So it's this really great 
combination of group activation, one-on-one -on -one support that really, now we've got it down to the science because people are constantly getting results and um, losing weight and, and getting feeling better. And then the great part about it is that, you know, like I, we had this one client who lost 30 pounds in the eight weeks. And then we caught up with her a year later and she had, was down another 30. So it's like they, the education that we're giving people and the activation we're giving people in that eight week period um, sticks and mm -hmm. then they continue. And it's really, that's really exciting. Cause I really wanted to create something where maybe they don't need me anymore afterwards. Honestly, I just want to give them the tools that I learned about how to really understand what diet and exercise is best for their body. And I want to give them the tools for um, creating healthy habits. And if you can do those two things, understand your body and consistently do the things that your body needs. Of course, you're going to live a long time. God forbid, you know what I mean? Getting right. hit by blood, whatever. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And it's, it's almost also reprogramming the statement that we've heard, right? Culturally, societally at our doctor's office, which is, oh, you're just getting older. Exactly. It's, it's so, it's so problematic because then we use that as an excuse. I, I, I use it as an excuse. I'm like, oh, you're, you know, close to 40 and this no, is just what happens. Really, really needs to stop. And I decided yeah. when I was in my twenties that I was just going to ignore everyone and start focusing on like, I was like, I'm just going to find all of these people that I think are dope that are like not on meds and they're over yeah. 70 and I'm going to learn from them because that's what I want. I don't want this other stuff. I don't want this. Oh, I am just turning 30. And so now I have a diagnosis and I'm now I'm, I can't do workouts I used to do. I mean, there are tons of people out there and, you know, you know, we have, there's a lot of celebrity, amazing celebrities out there, you know, and obviously it helps to have a trainer and all the stuff, but you know, look at something like JLo. It's like, child, what? you 50 something, you still at the gym like every day, mm -hmm. <laughs> like living your best life, wearing bikinis. Okay. I want that. I want that. How do I get that? Okay. I need to work out. I need to work out every day. I need to actually pay attention to what I'm eating. Blah, 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 blah. Right. So let's stop making excuses for ourselves. It's only actually almost easier to say it's not possible. It's, it's easier. Yeah. It's absolutely it's easier. Much more then... interesting and a bit harder to be like, what would it take for me to have those kinds of ads at 54? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And to be strong. And like you said, resilient and to be inspired that we can wake up with clarity and focus and energized and we get to play with our grandkids. And I was just with Dr. Gundry, who is similar mm -hmm. in age to my dad. Yeah. We're, we're having dinner and just he's 71 and the, he's like oh we hiked eight miles today I'm like what like it's just so mind-blowing to me I'm like the, <laughs> it's a difference right of and, right. and I live with my dad and his health is declining and um I, I'm so sensitive to it and I see the repercussions of of choices that have been made and yes. um I have compassion for it and understanding and you know, I, I am inspired by being around, like you said, people that are, that are older, that are living these incredible, healthy, epic lives. And so I yeah. think that's that if, if anything, we should at least focus on that to give ourselves that, you know, that possibility. I think so. I think America has a very unique problem because of the way we treat our elderly. I'm dealing with my helping my dad recover right now from um, two mini strokes and he's doing really well, but I'm kind of disgusted at the American philosophy of, of older people being kind of shuttled away. I know, it's horrific. Um, 
it's really not like that where I'm in Africa, where I'm from, or in certain parts of the world where people really are respecting and treasuring older people. And so I think also part of, you know, I think there's something in American culture that's also kind of like interested in escaping old age, you mm-hmm. know, because kind of like, oh, let me just lock that person away. Like they're going to not be well, they're going to be on meds, they're going to be, you know, and that is not what the culture I came from. And that's not something I plan to continue with my own family. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I've dealt with that with three parents now and, um, and it's, it's heartbreaking and it's really heartbreaking. And then there's the delicate balance of you've had these habits your whole life and this is your specific behavior and then integrating some of these other healthier ways of being. And, um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me, even when I was looking for a home for one of my parents, I was just like, I can't, I I can't, I, I can't be okay with just even their well-being program here. Like I, I have to figure out a different solution. And um, and I get that people don't have options, but I think culturally, as we have these conversations and as we are sensitive to what is going on and loving towards what's happening, we we get to start to change the dialogue and empower people to think differently at all ages. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I I I am for the African way, which is older people are hanging out with kids and telling stories mm-hmm. and you know they're around people and they're not isolated or shut away. Um, because actually that is like a really interesting part of your life where you've now integrated so much experience. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a part where you, a part of your life where you should be Hopefully, and this is like, you know, my whole thing about ages, it's not anti-aging. I have no problem getting old, child. I do have a problem with not being, um, not feeling optimal health-wise or having to take medications or doing all these things. Yes, I have a problem with that. But I want to be at a stage where now I can give to someone younger than me and mm-hmm. I can live my own life, continue living my own life when I get to that age versus just, you know, being in a state where, you're just at the, you know, you're just dealing with medications and interventions and all kinds of stuff that could have been prevented just by your lifestyle. Right. Right. And, and, and I think the, the key of it is like, could have been prevented, you know, we don't know for sure. Right. We we all have different genetics and there's the concept of bio-individuality and what works for one person might not work for someone else, but why not give ourselves the the opportunity that these things could be prevented and we won't know. We won't know until we do it. People that I interviewed, Annette Larkins, her, I think Annette Larkins had, um, they call her the ageless woman. She had a bunch of people with like breast cancer and all kinds of stuff in her family. And she has none of those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Fernando Lopayo, when I interviewed him, he was 109. His actual kids, I think, had some health issues, but he had none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was living his life, right? Mm-hmm. But it was based on his lifestyle. So and his diet and all that stuff. So I, I think it's been very, it's it's very clear that even if you're dealt a certain genetic hand, that does not mean, that doesn't seal your fate at all. Really what we should be doing in medicine and in holistic health is sitting people down very early and being like, these are the cards you've been dealt with. These are the family history of diseases. And this is how you can not live into that. Mm-hmm. These are the lifestyle changes you can make. These are the, you know, these are the diet things mm-hmm. you can do and you won't have to deal with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Before we, before you leave, I want to make sure that we 
just share with the listeners where they can find more information about you, where they can sign up for your programs. I know you're launching some really epic things and, and have some really cool things going on right now. So I would love, love for them to be able to get access to all of that. Yeah, definitely. So my website is therawgirl.com. I'm on all socials at therawgirl. Um, therawgirl.com, you can find us for individual consultation and membership packages that we have if you want to do a treatment that involves therapy, that involves naturopathic doctors, that involves certified nutrition specialists. We can actually tailor a program that addresses all of your different issues. And then if you go to stayingagelessuniversity.com, that's where you'll find my program, Staying Ageless 30 Plus, which is actually coming back in the fall. We already have people on the wait list. So we'd love for you to join. Please feel free to come through. Um, and that is an eight-week program. It's starting September 19th um, right for, for this fall. And then we also have Raw Girls Hormonal Balancing Academy. And that we use to help women who are dealing with fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, um, we've had people with adenomyosis, we've had people with, um, PMDD, like all kinds of premenstrual issues, premenstrual drama, um, take that class. And that is a six month program. And we basically are walking people through the holistic means to address these issues. If, especially if they're trying to avoid invasive surgeries, we've also dealt with people who've had the surgeries and had them go back and we help them deal with that then, because it really is important to reset you're dealing with your hormones, you really do need to reset your lifestyle, reset the way you're dealing with stress, reset all of that, or else you can just continue the hormonal problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I have seen that <laughs> a lot and clear in my own life. Um, I, yeah, I, I, it's something to be conscious of every single moment. And I have to always keep coming back to, okay, if my, if, if I burn out my adrenals and right. <laughs> I am going to completely impact all my hormones are all going to be off whack again. So it's, it's a constant reminder and, um, and a process, right. And the continuously of, of coming back to grace and compassion and forgiveness yeah. for ourselves for the whole process. So I love that you're helping people with that. So thank you again for being here. I'm so, so grateful. It's such a beautiful conversation. Thank you. Wow, what an uplifting conversation with Asosa. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. As you move into the week, consider how you too are inspired and empowered to shift old subconscious patterns. To help you on your journey, I recommend doing this simple meditation whenever you feel the need to ground yourself and connect with your highest truth. So light a candle and incense before sitting comfortably on a pillow or chair in a beautiful clutter-free space in front of a mirror. As you look at yourself, gently thank yourself for choosing to begin this new path of awareness and intention. Ask yourself to become aware of any subconscious patterns that are no longer serving you. Slowly close your eyes and begin to slowly deepen your breath. Take a series of slow, steady breaths in and out through your nose spanning several minutes. Then gently notice any self-doubt, anxiousness, or worry that is present. Any stories that come forward that are no longer serving you. Then kindly offer yourself the opportunity in this next moment to replace these thoughts and feelings with an upgraded positive vision of your healthiest, happiest self. Instead of trying to find new beliefs 
or affirmations to replace these old stories. Simply replace these thoughts and stories with a visual of you living your absolute best, healthiest, happiest life. With ease, allow the thoughts that are no longer serving you to float away and just be there present, allowing this new vision to become very real to you. And as you visualize, continue to allow new positive thoughts and emotions associated with this new experience of health and vitality to come forward. Next, focus on drawing attention to your heart, bringing forward the feelings of gratitude that comes alive within you when you are in love with your body and your life. You can rest here for several minutes and continue to breathe deeply until you feel complete. Upon opening your eyes, soften your breath and carry this new vision of yourself and life with you. Further this week, I also invite you to join the Awesome Inside Out Facebook group. It's a private, safe space filled with beautiful hearts coming together to encourage and uplift one another. And for everyone who is already part of this group, thank you so much for helping us build such a beautiful community together. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I recommend listening to another recent episode that I recorded with Biet Simkin on the power of meditation and how you can step in to your happiest, healthiest self. Further, drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more about and how can I support you in becoming happier and healthier? You can find me on Instagram at Sarah and Stewart. And until next time, I'm sending you so much love and I trust that you are having a beautiful, incredible week ahead. All right, that concludes this podcast. It is my honor to always share with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You are here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feeling of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here, you are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. And if you benefit from it, it would mean the world to me if you could please spread this movement and share it with one person who you know would also benefit. We are all in this together, so thank you for being here and part of this movement.